Today on Podcast by the Bay, part two of our exclusive interview with Foster City Councilman Gary Pollard discussing the Charter Square school proposal. I think the only challenge we're going to have with the school there is working with the school district in understanding cooperation on traffic flow, cooperation on noise, the, the, the look and feel so that it blends in with Foster City. Right. And I don't think that's asking a lot. We, we understand that we have no jurisdiction over the school district. They have certain requirements to build and do so do such, but I, I we would all of us at council have continually strived to work together so that whatever we do, it fits into Foster City and the relationship with the San Mateo Foster City School Board. Foster City doesn't get a great representation. We have one board member, Audrey Ang, who's on the board, but the bigger problem is we only have thirty thousand residents, of which maybe. 12, 15,000 are registered voters in Foster City. San Mateo is three times more. So no matter how great a resident or a potential candidate is, San Mateo seems to always have more voters. And finally, a discussion with Andre and Patrick discussing the bigger picture of the school issue. I think there are solutions. Real estate is so valuable right now uh, to actually take that shopping center and make it into an obsolete um, elementary school that is not going to meet the adequate need of the community, I don't think is, is good business for the city, and I don't think it's good business for the school district. All coming up on today's episode of Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at highwaysoul.com slash podcast by the bay. And in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. Liberty Realty. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, another podcast by the Bay. Okay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. This is January 10th, 2018. This is Andre. And this is Patrick. Happy New Year to you both, to the whole audience out there. And we thank everyone for listening. We thank you all for your feedback and getting communicating with us. And we're going to focus today on the second part of interview with uh, exclusive interview with Gary Pollard. And uh, what was your take on the interview, Patrick? We didn't get to talk to you last time, but what was your kind of uh, take on feedback on the, on the interview? Well, you know, I was absolutely delighted to have an opportunity to interview uh, Vice Mayor now and, and uh, Councilman Gary Pollard. Um, I had the opportunity to interview him at his, at his home, uh, and he was in a very relaxed and comfortable atmosphere. And he was very candid about answering the questions. And um, I could tell by af- after spending uh, a little over an hour with him that he was uh, quite knowledgeable in what he's doing and that he's quite committed into serving the community. And uh, I was quite impressed with that. Um, I think one of the most outstanding things that came out is Gary's objectivity 
to talk about issues that are a little more controversial. One of the uh, issues not only did we talk about, which was the Edgewater Shopping Center and how he handled that uh, with no more housing, he also addressed a crucial thing with the levy. Um, as you know, the city of Foster City uh, has surplus money. Uh, they're talking currently that the bond for the levy would be approximately $90 million. Um, as Andre, you know, and I know, we saw uh, that one of our council members, uh, Catherine Monopor, decided that she would like to bring forward to the council an investigation on how much if we could reduce the bond from $90 million uh, 90 million to 70 million. I thought that was outstanding. Now, in the process of interviewing uh, Vice Mayor uh, Pollard, he, he's also indicated that he is interested in somehow finding out what impact that would be. Um, and, and, and kind of trying to put the two together, as you know, uh, we had an exclusive interview, which was actually after our interview with Gary and due to our production, we weren't able to get Gary out as quickly as we wanted. We interviewed the city manager, Kevin Miller, and, and Kevin was very candid with us and very forthcoming in, uh, in his um, desire to get that uh, bond passed. But we also approached Kevin and, um, and asked him about uh, the proposal of bringing the uh, $90 million bond down to $70 million. And, and And Kevin probably wasn't that enthusiastic, I would say, would would be the word about it. He wasn't going to say that the council shouldn't discuss it because obviously on the council record, it came up that uh, they were to investigate how much savings would be from the reduction of a $90 million to a $70 million bill. Uh, uh, bond for the levy. So with with all kidding aside, it, it's kind of an exciting thing. One of the things that we ended with, Kevin, uh, was we're not 100% sure what is the surplus amount of money uh, left in the in the city. The, the figure that I gave Kevin was $117 million. As you know, the city of Foster City saves about 33 and a third percent of their budget each year for reserves. So I'm pretty sure that they're more than adequate that a $20 million expenditure off the bond uh, would be a tremendous help to the uh, taxpayers and also saving on the bond. But again, that's that's a decision for that council, and I'm hoping some of the other council members will, will look at that too a little bit differently. So, And I'm still waiting for Kevin Millers to get back with me and so that we can actually give the viewers out there, what what is the surplus amount of money? Is it $117 million? Or is it only $100 million? Whatever that figure may be. Um, and I know Foster City is in good hands. Well, that's that's a great point. I think that's some great um, feedback and insight to the kind of whole uh, issue surrounding it. Uh, I guess my question is, is having uh, $20 million off from the $90 million, that would be a pretty good incentive, right? I mean, for, for the taxpayers to really help push the bond. I mean, I, I think that's a pretty... A reasonable proposal. I do understand from listening to Gary, I also hear kind of his understanding on how Foster City has been really good in the being fiscally responsible. So that's interesting too, and, and seeing how they, they, they've managed their budget and their process. So I think that's very enlightening as well. So I think it is a good discussion, and, and it's really interesting to see how this is all going to play out. I think next, uh, I think it's coming up on what the 18th, January 18th. You're going to have the um, the the really uh, the discussion at the city council to really 
um, discuss this topic. And so, and so I know um, I've seen some uh, information out. I know Bob Cushman put out some, uh, e- you know, some sent out some emails, did some postings on his Foster City uh, residents for responsible, um, uh, you know, development uh, Facebook page. And so, I think that there there is information out there if people want to find it. Um, uh, if you guys are on Nextdoor or Facebook, definitely connect with um, you know some of the groups, and, and you're going to see it on Nextdoor. So if you're here, you're gonna, you're definitely going to see it. So um, I, I guess uh, with this Gary, um, so with the Gary part interview for the second part, it's really going to focus more on the school, and I think that's actually another hot topic right now. And you're hearing people talk about Charter Square. And there's still there's still a lot of people feeling that the school they're worried about the school because there there's been some uh, contradiction and and there's been some different views on it. I, I, I guess w- some some of my question is is this the, really the best option for the school? And and are we really looking at the the, the school district and um, really some of the um, solutions for Foster City? You know, overall, are we looking at the bigger picture? Are we just looking at one one little step? I mean, maybe you can shed some light a little bit on the on the charter square. I think Gary's going to talk about it a little bit, but I think, uh, you, know, how, you know, how did we end up coming to pick this particular lot, and or how did the school board end up with this particular well, lot? I, and- I, th- I think, I I I think it was just an opportunity, and and the opportunity was is that the uh, owner of Chartered Square was interested in either uh, selling his property or developing it. And obviously with the sensitivity in Foster City, there wasn't going to be any more housing uh, built out there. And the shopping centers were were dying on the vine. So I think it, it was a preordained situation there. Um, and obviously the school districts um, buying the property, which technically they don't own it. So let's kind of clarify that a little bit, Andre, for the viewers. The school districts in the um, in a contract situation to purchase the property from the current owner. And the current owner is going to act as the developer. So there's an incentive uh, for the developer uh, um, of the shopping center who technically still owns it. Uh, the school district uh, follows state and federal law. So they don't necessarily need to follow Foster City's rules and regulations. As you know, one of our former mayor and council person brought a lawsuit uh, into the uh, California uh, Superior Court to try to say that there was some unfair bargaining here and that they didn't bring it out to what we call collective bargaining, where the, the uh, when you have a public building or an entity, that you put it out to public bid. You know, I, I would have a tendency on the surface to agree with that mayor, former mayor and, and council person, that it should have been brought out to a public bid. But the reality is, is that we didn't want to spend a lot of money on litigation. So it is moving forward. The only thing that the councilor uh, won or the former mayor, uh, through the help of his attorney, Mark Watson, was able to secure that the city's uh, planning commission would oversee the environmental impact reports in that area. As we know, that is a pretty heavily traveled area out there. Um, And they did pass the bond, so we do have the money to develop the school. 
Um, and uh, the Planning Commission did their due diligence in Foster City and, and brought back to the school district some environmental questions. I don't think that those questions are all answered. Um, I know the, um, the school district is still in the midst of having to approve the environmental impact report, and as of yet, they haven't done that. Um, I think there's an upcoming meeting tomorrow, and maybe they will approve that. Um, aside from that, they've had their little upheaval, too, on the board. Unfortunately, they're losing Nancy. Nancy is a seasoned person on the board. As you know, Lori Lawson is no longer on the board, nor is, is Chelsea Bohini. We have a complete, almost a completely new board for except Audrey, Audrey Ning. So uh, they have some challenges ahead of them. Um, and Andre, I think you brought up some good points. Even once this school is completed, it, it is not going to fulfill the obligation of the growth of the elementary school district. We will still be left beyond classrooms. And Andre, I think um, you brought up a, a most important question. I'm not sure in my interview with Gary, did he really address that? Um, but I think the, the, we have to go back to the history of Foster City uh, and the uh, Foster City and San Mateo Elementary School District. Um, for most people for the last 20 or 25 years, they've described it as a bad marriage, a bad relationship. Uh, that there seems to be more, more because there's large. It's a larger population in Foster or in San Mateo that their voters' constituents are more represented than Foster City. Uh, aside from that, I, I, I think they need to work things out. Uh, the council is is uh, met several times to meet with them to see what they can work out. I'm not sure there is a solution, Andre, um, it, as far as the relationship goes. Uh, is there a solution of an alternative uh, elementary school? I mean, the discussion came up um, earlier about Booth Bay. I think Booth Bay is an ideal situation. Um, I think uh, Booth Bay or the, uh, they talked about maybe the uh, double-decking of, of Bowdish. I think there are solutions. Real estate is so valuable right now uh, to actually take that shopping center and make it into an obsolete um, elementary school that is not going to meet the adequate need of the community, I don't think is, is is good business for the city, and I don't think it's good business for the school district. These are really great points, and I think that's a philosophical question we can all ask ourselves. Is this proposal really going to actually be the impact that we're looking for to resolve some of the school issues that we're having as far as overpopulation. I mean, there's so many factors that really are causing this. And if we're, you know, looking at one piece of it, maybe it's going to address a little small piece. But I think if there's a bigger picture that we need to start looking at and maybe looking at alternative solutions, Councilman Perez in our discussion with him, he mentioned that Redwood City is actually opening up a, a high school. And they're actually, I think today was the opening. I, th I think there was an article that was posted today. So I think that there are alternative solutions. There are some ideas. And I think residents, there's so many, uh, I, I, I see them. I see all the ideas. I don't know philosophically if I can say this is the this is really the solution. I know it's a solution, and I know it's actually going to provide, I guess, some sort of relief. But are we just putting a bandaid on it, and we're not really dealing with the bigger issue, right? And so I think that's the question we have to ask: is really is this the right solution for really this bigger issue? And 
I, I, I'm going to be honest. I actually don't know if I could actually look and say this is really going to solve our long-term problems because I think we need to look at other alternative solutions. We have to look at our society. We have to look at our, our city. Foster City is one of the most uh, park-rich cities as far as park ratio to, to citizens, right? There, there's just more park space in Foster City than pretty much almost any other city. It's, it's, it's actually one of the, the great things about Foster City and one of the things I've always enjoyed. Now, as a citizen, are we willing to maybe potentially sacrifice one of the parks and say, let's take a booth bay that's not being utilized for much. It's, it's, it has a nice little playground, a little piece of grass, but uh, you know, is there an opportunity there to maybe make that into a middle school or make that into an elementary school, another alternative? So I, I don't know. I, I, I just think that we have to start asking these questions and we have to start looking around at alternative solutions because Maybe this ain't the maybe this ain't the right uh, solution. So I wanted to interject one more thing that I think the viewers should realize: thirty percent of the traffic in Foster City in the morning, it could be a little bit higher, is mom and dad taking their kids to school. So my question, for all in practical purposes, why are we not bringing the bus system back, and why is that not on a top priority with the school district? We have to look at, it's not just the traffic, it's the impact on the police and fire. As a result of having more moms and dads out there with their SUVs or their Teslas or their Jaguars or their Mercedes, we have more opportunity for someone either to be involved in an accident or a child to be hit. So why are we not looking at that? I mean, you know, Andre, you brought up a good point about the high school, and I think that should be brought it back at another time for a real good discussion because currently anybody that has a high school student that takes a bus out of foster city it's costing their parents almost a thousand dollars a year to bus their kid to a public school i would assume just like uh, the elementary kids we need to bus our kids back to school i think we need to get that traffic off the road Agree. I think there's there's some different different ideas and solutions to it, and I think that's a great solution. I think looking at some of these uh, um, ideas to to resolve it, um, I think that everybody's in agree that that uh, people like to see action. So that's what we're about here. We're about really getting to the discussion, really be getting down to the root, and really getting down to solutions. Um, we appreciate your guys' feedback. Re- uh, reach out to us directly. Podcast by the bay at gmail dot com. You can reach out to us directly. Um, you can check us out at um, podcastbythebay.com. Just go to our website. We have all of our shows. You can you can reach out to us. And, um, you know, thank you to uh, our sponsorship, Liberty Realty. And, um, and yeah, check out Gary, uh, Gary Pollard's uh, Part 2 exclusive interview here on Podcast by the Bay. And you, I hope you guys just enjoy this. So, yeah, with that, we're going to keep on... Uh, With that, we'll see you guys on the next round. And with that, this is Andre. And this is Patrick. And remember, the most important thing is to participate. Give us your questions. Give us your suggestions for solutions. Andre and I are reaching out to you out there in the the Bay Area to give us solutions that we can bring back to our local officials. And remember, we're more than just a podcast. We're a broadcast. As you know, the school district was successful uh, being able to acquire Charter Square. Um, And obviously the landlord in Charter Square kind of did 
what some shopping center people do when they want to put their property up on the market and they're not doing the highest, best use. They let their tenants go. Uh, and then becomes an eyesore in the community. Um, I'm just trying to get your opinion um, um, on what you feel about the Charter Square and the development of a school there. Do you, are you uh, in support of that? Well, I'm in support of a fourth school in Foster City. I think it's long overdue. Um, I was on a committee, and I'll just mention briefly, called SCORE, that I was appointed by the council many years before I got on to the city council, where we looked at some options of trying to help relieve pressure in the schools. Obviously, we've evolved into where Measure X passed, um, and the only piece of land, I, I guess, available to the district was Charter Square, where maybe one could say it was affordable. Um, and I'll leave it at that. I think the location is not the best, but it works for what they need. Um, I think the only challenge we're going to have with the school there is working with the school district in understanding cooperation on traffic flow, cooperation on noise, the, the, the look and feel so that it blends in with Foster City. Right. And I don't think that's asking a lot. We, we understand that we have no jurisdiction over the school district. They have certain requirements to build and do so, do such. But I, I, we would, all of us at council have continually strived to work together so that whatever we do, it fits into Foster City. Well, I want to compliment the council. Um, obviously, I won't mention the council's person's name that uh, engaged in a lawsuit with the, the district. Um, and the resolve of it, so to speak, was to have some kind of influence with the city of Foster City through the Planning Commission. Um, Obviously, last night there was a key vote, and the key vote went two to two, so they made no decision. Uh, This has to do with the impact of the environmental impact report. Um, What's your comments on the environmental impact report? I know I I sat in on the Planning Commission, um, not the one behind closed doors, but the Planning Commission in regards to Foster City's concerns. one of the things that I want to weigh in is a kind of a double question. Um, it's my understanding that um, once the uh, school district owns the property, um, which I don't know from a technical standpoint if they really own it now or is it still in the hands of the owner, that Foster City or the city of Foster City has no real influence with the environmental impact report. I know that's a can of worms, so I'm not sure whether you can address that question. Um, I am happy to see the Planning Commission uh, question some environmental impact reports. I think uh, one of the main things you hit on was traffic. So what's your opinion? What's your opinion on this? There's probably not enough time in a day to get down to it, Patrick, but I'll I'll tell you this. The environmental impact report identified uh, some key elements. One was, for us, one was traffic flow in and out of the school, of the potential school. One of the meetings I attended, the school district talked with the public about keeping the entrances and exits as they are currently and just working the cars in so that the flow would would, would work. One of the concerns that we brought up um, with staff was understanding the exit, knowing that when that school gets out, a school that's no more than a half a mile away, quarter mile, Foster City School, you have impact there with traffic because people are going to pick up their kids. So you have a double whammy. We asked them to work with our traffic people. 
Um, one of the other questions was on noise, when they would start, when they would finish construction, how they would supervise the construction. We wanted them to work within our framework. Um, and, and the other issue really was more of trying to keep within, as I mentioned earlier, the framework of Foster City. When we develop property, what do we look for? We want to make sure that all the elements blend in together. So Planning Commission met and gave them comments on the EIR. The council bought in and, and gave comments, and then staff delivered a letter to them, and they basically rejected uh, any of the compromises or mitigation that we thought would be a good working relationship. I can't tell you why they did. They don't have to abide by things. Uh, they are exempt, but to use that trump card of being exempt, it just doesn't sit well. I just I have a great relationship with the school board and the, the, the administration, and they're starting to understand that, well, what's so hard about listening to the council? And it isn't, we're not trying to tell them two stories, three stories, blue, yellow, green. We're trying to say, work with the professional staff who understands, we're not trying to say you can't do it. Just help us, mm -hmm. let us help you work together to make a successful project. Right. As a successful real estate broker, I realized the value of the property they, that he sold to the district was quite high. Uh, and by the time we finish that school, it'll probably be probably double the price that what he paid uh, or what he sold the land to the school district. Um, what What is your take on the uh, on the uh, right now? If, from a technical standpoint, isn't the property still in the owner's name because the owner is going to be the developer? I don't. I, I'm not 100 percent sure on that. I'd rather not. Okay. I'd rather not speculate. Okay. We've heard a lot of a lot of dialogue on does the owner own it and then he's building it and then going to turn it over to the school district when it's complete. Uh, there's a lot of uh, unanswered questions and I know in the lawsuit that was done, some of that was to come out and, and try to really identify what was some of the other elements going on in there. Um, but I'd rather leave that up to the legal people. Okay. Just so that I don't mislead. So, so you're saying, it was, it, from your perspective, from what you would like to convey, there's really not that complete, in your mind, transparency uh, of the position, whether the owner still owns it or whether this. Yeah, I could clearly say okay. one way or the other how it goes. I've okay. read the same information that everyone else has read. I, I read in this morning's Daily Journal, it talked about on the same article about the two to two vote. Um, about that they don't have the money or they're already over budget on what this school would cost and they're already having issues with their teachers. So there's a lot of um, moving parts that I think um, hopefully in the next month or two when the new count, new school board gets seated and gets up to speed that maybe some things will start to come to the top and, and some decisions will be made. Well, um, <clears throat> one of the council members that brought the lawsuit had a, a really interesting point and I thought was well taken, but not necessarily uh, whether it had any legal merit. And, and that was uh, the ability for a uh, landowner to be enriching himself uh, and not putting it out for public bid. Do you have any comment on that at all? No uh, comment. Okay, no comment. Okay. Uh, well, I hope this school goes forward. I do agree with with you that we need another school. And, of course, I've been talking about that for quite a few years, especially with the growth. One of the and other I, things... I, but let me address... I think the schools needed to take the pressure off of the other schools. Um, and I think one of the issues that came up, going back to Edgewater, a lot of residents were talking about... In my, my remembrance was... 
no more housing until we could identify a school, a, a saving, a, a place for, if residents come in, it may potentially bring children. Okay, so let's deal with the school issue. Another issue was traffic, and the other was just the infrastructure itself, water, fire, police, those kind of services. Do we, is there enough to handle increased housing? And so when we go back to the housing element question, at least the school issue has been identified, whether it ever gets done and when. I think water, there's, we know from studies already that there's more than enough water to support additional housing. I'm not here to say good for housing or bad. I just want to know that or your, your listeners to understand that a lot of their concerns we've heard and are being addressed in a global picture. We're just not turning a deaf ear at it and saying, well, school's not our problem, water's not our problem, services aren't. We are we're well, listening and, and we're trying to make sure all of these pieces come together. Isn't it my understanding, Gary, that we have to comply with that classroom size and that we do have a period of time, I'm not sure whether it was 24 months or 36 months, to comply with the proper classroom size. So I think our major problem um, was uh, too many uh, overcrowding in the classroom. So I, there was a deadline period. I'm not holding you to it. Uh, but there is a state law that, that, that says that we need to comply with it um, or make an attempt to comply with it. That may be, I'm not as up to the speed okay. on that. I know there's class size requirements in the younger, the primary one of the elementary, you know, K to three, I believe. There's only so many kids per teacher, but I'm not sure that applies, and it might into the four, five, and six. Um, Okay, I wanted to go four, back. Four, five. Oh. So, but but whatever it is, if the school gets built, the the plan that I saw would only there would be room still to go to more kids there, but relieving some pressure from the other three schools. Excellent. I wanted to go back to the school system, and and I understand the community effort here. Um, part of our problem in Foster City is about thirty percent of the traffic that's in there in the morning. It might be a little bit higher. Is mom and dad taking their kids to school? Uh, helicopter parents, that's Tahoe, Suburbans, Beamers, Toyotas, Camrys, whatever. Um, and I'm not trying to hold you to it, but it seems for practical purposes to eliminate some of the traffic problems in the morning um, would be to, to have the school buses back there on, on track. Um, I know the school district probably, it's probably been about probably eight years, nine years when they so-called eliminated the, the bus system and the parents became responsible. So do you have an opinion on that? So the opinion would be parents need to feel comfortable and or safe with their son or daughter riding a bike to school if, if that means they're there, walking with their kids, getting out of the car. Now you brought up the point helicopter parents. I think today society, maybe in the last seven years, ten years, rightly so, Maybe not as much in Foster City as in other cities, um, but if the if parents won't let the kids get out and ride their bike, get back to the bus, traffic is going to keep growing and growing because I have picked up my neighbors' kids when I've been home and would help out, and I see Suburbans and BMWs, all these big vehicles lined up picking up one child. And I'm sure they all live near each other, but everyone there. So you multiply that by the number of schools, and it causes a lot of traffic and unsafe for those riding their bikes or walking because when mom or dad gets in a car, or brother and sister, the old ones, and driving, 
they're not focused on everything around them. So there's a lot of safety issues, but our city is very safe. The amount of issues that happen when somebody's riding a bike is mainly because either party may not have been focused. All I'm trying to do is say parents need to let the system work. Now, if buses is one way to do it, people have to want to use the buses, but buses are very expensive. And I think that's a great question to ask the school board is, would you be willing to bring back buses at what expense? And then who pays for that? Because in the high school, you know, parents pay to use the bus. Right, right. Kids. That's we, exactly There's three important. or four buses from Foster City to San Mateo. There's one or two that go to Hillsdale. In fact, our transportation subcommittee is working with one of the high schools right now, San Mateo, to help fund a after-school bus for sports and those that are going to the library and so forth to get them back into Foster City. We've identified 40 or 50 kids that are staying over. Well, that's one or one and a half bus loads. But imagine, Patrick, getting those cars off the road. Now, it may not dent the traffic, but at least it's it's doing something. Well, let's go let's go back, and I'm, I appreciate your your concern. And when we talk about environmental impact reports, that means police and fire. Um, obviously, the impact of our police and fire are more in use when the school is. Um, I live right near Bowditch, um, and 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 the uh, police are there. At least you've got a motorcycle cop, and then you've got a two squad car. So. We are very much impacted environmentally by parents taking their kids to school in the morning. Um, so it would be nice to see that we brought the bus system back because I think the bus system would be a strength for Foster City and get a lot of cars off the road. It, it, it's possible. I don't know if I would agree that by services that if the police working at the schools takes them away from something else, obviously... You only have so many resources. But going back to my point of a safe city, I don't think we're putting ourselves out at risk by having a patrol car or, or motorcycle policeman at a school. I think the problem becomes we don't want to over-police. We need adults to take care of themselves and to manage the system properly. And to do it, a lot of people, when they drive, they've got to get out to work or they got to do this. Everybody's in a hurry. Today, time is everything. People are on their cell phone 24-7. So any bit that they can shave a second or two off of dropping little Johnny off and swerving around somebody causes problems. And even with the police there, police presence or not, these people still do things. So adults need to, to really take ownership of the issues and help. I don't think a bus is out of the question. I think it comes down to a dollar and cents issue. Why don't we, just for a minute, because some of my listeners have some concerns or interest in a high school. You know and I have experienced that the only high school that we had uh, broken ground for was on an Episcopal high school. I think and that was around, oh, that was around 10 years ago. I'm, I'm, I could be... Maybe a little longer. Maybe a little longer, 15. Um, what's your opinion on a, on a high school in Foster City? So... Purely my opinion, not representing council or any political view, I, I am not in favor of a high school in Foster City for this reason. They go to school in, we're a very locked, landlocked 4.4 square miles. They go to school here. They're with their kids, their, their friends. I believe getting out of the city to mix in with other nationalities, other demographic type um, uh, whether it's race, color, creed, religion, it doesn't matter. Not that we don't have our own variety of 
uh, backgrounds in our city, getting out and going to a high school and experiencing out of Foster City, I think, is, is a great experience. I saw it with my own two children. I think people are better off when they go away to go to college or whatever they do. They're going to be mixed in with a lot of people. And it's good, healthy to get them out and engage that way. The downside is if, is traffic and the time it takes to get out early to get your kid if it's a zero period, blah, blah, blah. But that should override why we don't have a high school. Today, there's no land for a high school. Uh, the voters had an opportunity. Um, they voted it down. The school district, the Union, San Mateo Union High School District, collects taxes from us. So we don't we pay for something we don't have. I get all that. But um, at the end of the day, nothing's going to change, unfortunately. But I, I am an, an advocate that getting out of Foster City and going to school in San Mateo for Hillsdale or San Mateo or Aragon or Burlingame, I think uh, has more on the upside than the downside. Okay, let's go back to the um, San Mateo Foster Elementary School District, and I've seen the evolution um, of uh, quite a few councils. Um, the current council seems to have a much warmer relationship uh, than past councils have had with the Foster City Elementary School District, and I think that's a compliment to the city of Foster City. Um, for a while, it, it was the thought process that it was the school district's issue, but um, I think the council has realized it's not just the school district's issue, it's the city of, or the residents in Foster City that have their kids. Um, you have a few council members that are working uh, probably a little bit overtime on that Foster City Elementary School thing. Uh, what kind of progress are we making uh, with communication skills? I know that um, if I recall, about two years ago, they wanted to, to set up different meetings. You would meet them at, at, at their uh, headquarters in the, in the office, and then you would meet them at council, whatever. So how's that working relationship uh, building? Is it, is it getting better? It's getting better um, for a, a couple of reasons. But historically, the councils in Foster City and the school board have always been at odds because of territorial, they, we don't want somebody to come in and tell us how to spend our taxpayers' money as a council member. No different than the school board doesn't want a council elected people to tell them how to educate, how to do things. So there's always been that, that two swimming lanes and you stay in your own, stay in your own lane. And I don't know if it's been, um, the times have evolved, but there was somewhat of a distrust between the two groups. I think, uh, Ulterior motives might have existed. Again, I wasn't part of that. But I know um, with Dr. Sims, uh, when she became the superintendent for a short period of time, all of a sudden there was some more dialogue. There was some more openness to, hey, this is, we're doing it for the good of the children. This isn't my way and it isn't the city's way. So I think that dialogue started happening. Currently, we have two council members that um, are liaisons to the school district. I'm to the high school, but we have two that are to the elementary school district. And the tone and tenor has changed, I would say, 180 degrees. There are now some open dialogue. We may not always agree, and we're not there to tell them what to do. It's more to be, tell us what you need us to communicate to the residents. So we ask the school. So, that, so we're in on meetings, and it's no different that we're trying to give to them some of the tenor of what we hear as the residents and those with families. So if everybody can put down the ego when they go to a room... They should be able to say the bottom line is 
let's make sure we have the best education facility and classroom experience for the children because that's what it's all about. Okay, um, I'm excited to see Foster City make some progress in the elementary school district. We just had an election. Um, I've only talked to a few of my constituents and some of the people are happy and some of the people are not happy. Um, and some of the people that aren't happy feel that there's no, uh, there's not a complete representation of Foster City there. Um, so any comment on that? Um, have you met any of the uh, new school board uh, people? So um, you're 100% on target there. Yes, yeah, so I, I supported Sarah Watkins. She won. And um, I voted, for, well, no matter what I voted for, but I supported her. I wanted Shiraz, um, who was from Foster City. I endorsed her, had signs on my front yard. And I only endorsed two people. I had three I could have, but I, I dealt with two. But I met, the three that ended up winning, I met with them beforehand, talked with them, so I had a good idea of what they, so I'm, I'm happy that they won um, but I'm disappointed in the fact that Foster City doesn't get a great representation. We have one board member, Audrey Ang, who's on the board. But the bigger problem is we only have 30,000 residents, of which maybe 12, 15,000 are registered voters in Foster City. San Mateo is three times more. So no matter how great a resident or a potential candidate is, San Mateo seems to always have more voters. And... So anybody can do the math, and Foster City just will never get, as it stands now, I don't see any way we're going to have a three to two or a majority of of school board members simply because we don't have the votes. And I think that's part of why um, she lost, was simply that Foster City could vote for her, which I'm sure if you looked at it all the precinct, she probably won Foster City hands down. San Mateo. Right. That's an unfortunate thing, and, and, and I agree. But it affected... And this is part going back of the issues between the school board and Foster City and or San Mateo is that Foster City feels like a stepchild. You know, we have high property tax in Foster City because our home value. So we pay a lot of money in and we don't have representation whereby when there's a tax measure that gets on the ballot, if San Mateo voters don't like it because they don't feel the quality is good, the amount of money in that tax measure doesn't benefit San Mateo, they're not going to vote for it. Yeah. And so we're, we're constantly, I understand we're a unified school district, but it's certainly, now I'm speaking as a resident, I never feel that we get equal representation of, of the money that, of bond measures that are in front of the voters. Measure P, when I was on score, would have done, moved sixth, moved fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth to Bowditch. Would have added one grade. Great plans. Would have relieved the pressure. A new school, because Bowditch is, is archaic. I mean, it, I'm almost wondering how, if it's still safe. But I'm not an engineer. Well, why, you but, know what? Why don't we talk about the Bowditch campus for a little bit? Because well, so, uh, let me, so I'll get to the yeah. So because when Measure P was in front of the voters, there wasn't, to Sam Mateo's point, there wasn't enough money being spent in their city. Yet it's a unified school district. So if there wasn't enough money going their way, they felt the equality was Foster City's getting the lion's share of that money. They didn't like it. So what happened? It failed. Now, Measure X, what happened? San Mateo gets new gyms. They're getting this. They're getting that. They're getting this. We get a school. Don't misunderstand me. But there was much more equality for San Mateo out of that money 
the measure passed. Do you think there's a solution to that? Do you, do you, do you think that with representation, we, we, we put an election together where the, you would have so many people that would be voted on in Foster City uh, based on the district? Uh, well, you, if, if, you as you know, five, if you have five, just five school board members all in Foster City, I wouldn't like it because it's not fair to say too. But at the end of the day, Patrick, it, the only issue that really changes is on facilities. And if it's a money issue and it has to go to the voters, San Mateo's going to win nine out of ten times. We'll just give the fact that Foster City might win once. And it should we shouldn't be thinking that way, but they control the votes. And so in a school district, you can't have 50-50 because they have more voters. Even on the school board, if they said, well, this is what we want to do, favor Foster City, and it's a tax measure, the voters, in all fairness, should have the final say. But there's no solution. We can't be our own school district. We could. I shouldn't say we could. If we became our own school district, which that idea always gets floated out there, it's a very, very, very expensive well, as, as you know, there was a few years back, maybe about 10 or 15, Foster City was considering that, but the price of paying off Foster City and their portion of the value of real estate was prohibitive to, to move forward. It's even worse <clears> now. <throat> so. yeah. But to your Bowditch question, Bowditch, I'm always concerned that Bowditch is a safety issue. It's an old building. It, it, it's these pods that I don't think provide the greatest learning experience. Now, the other side of my brain says great kids come out of there and they do well. They go to high school and they go on to four-year universities and they become doctors and lawyers and, and everything else. So I just think the environment is hurts a little bit. And I, I just think that Foster City should... We have one middle school. So we have three campuses that feed into one middle school that is just... Um, what about it? It's what just if, not a pretty sight to see for for an area of Foster City's home values. If you just purely put it in, we, we with the amount of value of homes, and you're in the real estate, the tax dollars we pay to towards the school, that school should have been. Well, that's actually in my neighborhood, Gary. But you know what I, I had, a, and I'm a little bit interested in finding out. Why haven't we been talking about building a second story on Bowditch? For some reason, someone has told us on the streets that it that the state or federal government won't allow us. That campus is large enough, um, and we probably wouldn't have ne- needed another facility or another school if we expanded Bowditch. Any, any opinion on that? Well, when Measure P was being discussed, Bowditch was going to be a two-story because that's where they were going to do five six was going to be on one side of the campus. So if you if you were walking in two story building, be five and six seven eight. But I believe, from what I understand, the reason they don't do two stories, I don't know if it's a law, is the the structure now may not be able to support putting a second structure on its existing okay. without reinforcement. But it goes to the question again of administration or leadership at the school district, not the boards, but the, the, the superintendents and, and so forth, when they redid Foster City School, and this bothers me, so I have no problem in public saying it, they should have done two stories at Foster City School. The curvature in the design, beautiful, whatever, but I don't. you shouldn't build something that's educational for awards. But the curvature of those roofs, because it was somewhat like that before, there's, the height would have easily, no, might have been more expensive, might have to put an elevator in because of ADA, I get all of that. But why not step back and say, we have an opportunity to rebuild something, let's think of it 
10, 20, 30 years from now. Because right now they spent a lot of money and they didn't gain anything. Well, Gary, I want to thank you by Podcast by the Bay. Is there anything closing that you'd like to say to uh, the people out there in uh, the podcast land? I want to thank you for your effort in doing this. Um, I, I think the best thing I can tell you is, is don't be afraid to reach out and ask any of the council members, my colleagues, or staff for information. We, we work for you, but it is our city as well. Again, thank you, Gary, from Podcast by the Bay. Thank you for listening to another Podcast by the Bay. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at highwaysoul.com slash podcast by the bay. And in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. Liberty Realty. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.